Hello, welcome back to Candy Stripe Convos. I'm Will Foley. I'm uh, Jacob Spudage. And Garrett Newman. And oh boy, what a weekend last weekend was. Uh, Indiana fell at Nebraska in, in Memorial Stadium, 35-21, to 21, and uh, was not so promising. Take the floor. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, not so promising is kind of a light way to put it, I'd say. Um, Indiana, it was probably their worst performance we've seen from them. You could kind of debate the Cincinnati game and the first half was pretty bad, but at least Cincinnati like came back in the second half and at least played some decent football to make fans think they were actually going to come back and win despite being down big time at half. Um, but this time they were tied at half and they were held scores in the second half. You know, they didn't have their top two receivers. They didn't have much of a run game at all, and their defense blew it. Like a lot of th- a lot a lot of things went wrong for Indiana. It was it was horrible. Yeah, I mean, I thought you know going into halftime, I was shocked that Indiana was tied up in the game, um, and then second half. I mean, if you if we look at Nebraska's scoring plays, it was really just a few big splash plays like. They hit Trey Palmer on a deep ball for a touchdown late in the game. They hit Oliver Martin in the in the first quarter, I believe, on a on their first drive on a 34-yard pass. And then they had the blocked punt touchdown. And those really like those big mistakes um, from IU secondary and from their special teams unit, they cost Indiana the game. So I mean, the score's a little deceiving, but Indiana definitely got outplayed in all three phases. I was pretty disappointed because, so first of all, you somehow make it to halftime tied. I mean, it was kind of dumb luck. Like the defensive touchdown Indiana scored, uh, it was the what, like one of the plays, Casey Thompson wasn't even on the field, get sacked, whatever. So all that happens, you go into halftime tied, and if you're an Indiana fan, you're thinking, oh, we're a second-half team, this is great. And then I don't even know what, like, the, I don't even know what happened. It, it just kind of unfolded that way, especially the fourth quarter. Uh, I think at that point it was 28-21. And then you're just hoping, you're thinking the big drive's going to come, they're going to tie, whatever, make this a game. And then they put up five yards, which is like, I don't even remember a worse single quarter performance that I've seen in any football game that I can recall of than five yards in a quarter. So that was it was just disappointing. Yeah, no, yeah, you said it, like, uh, talking about, you know, this team kind of tends to play its best half of football in the second half. They end that second quarter. Bazelak had eight straight completions, finding five different receivers, all for a total of 117 yards and a touchdown reception by Simmons. And then it see, that ninth, that, then the ninth, the pass after those eight straight completions was a completion to the Cornhuskers secondary for interception. That's kind of when it went downhill. Um, it, I mean, the passing attack just fell flat, and we referred to it, you know, Camper was out with a sickness. Uh, Matthews is still out with that injury that he suffered against the Bearcats in Cincinnati. So I I feel like the inconsistency on the passing side, and I, I don't even call it just falling flat on that second half, was had to be in part because, one, the running game couldn't get going, but then the passing game couldn't get going. A deep For a deep receiving core that this team, that we've been told this team has all season, it did not seem very deep because it, it didn't seem like many players were making 
making good plays. It didn't seem like Bazak was finding them the same that he finds Camper and Matthews, with the exception of that Simmons touchdown. Yeah, I agree totally with all those points. And when Indiana's running game is as shaky as it seems to be, I mean, one week you've got Shivers breaking 47-yard touchdowns against a good Cincinnati defense, and then the next week he's got nine carries for 25 yards, 2.8 average. Like, that's not going to get it done in Big Ten play. You've got to be able to move the ball on the ground. A lot of these teams make their identity like that. I mean, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State last year especially. Um, so you got to be able to run the ball because you're not going to have as much possession as maybe Indiana wants. And with the way they run offense, hurry up, it's all about possessions. And right now they're not converting on enough possessions and they're wasting a lot of possessions and giving the ball right back to these teams that can suck the clock. So it's it was a rough performance. Touching on the receiving core, I totally agree. I think the one bright spot from this game was Anderson Kobe wasn't dropping balls and was making some plays out there, which you like to see. But other than that, I mean, A.J. Barner's been quiet for the majority of the season. He's somebody I thought going into the season could get some touchdowns, red zone threat, big body, but haven't seen that. So Indiana, hopefully they get Camper and uh, Matthews back soon because otherwise the offense is looking very stale. The run game, especially from this game, is something I really just feel the need to rant about because there are several issues I have with with going on with what happened from this game. First of all, I want to talk about uh, going into the matchup. Nebraska, their run defense ranks 127th of 131 teams in FBS football. That is fifth to last, and you get not you can't even crack 100 yards from it, and you do so on less than three yards per carry. That's just egregious. I mean. If that's how you're going to play against the fifth, fifth worst run defense in FBS football, then what are you going to do against Michigan's defense, Ohio State's defense, et cetera? They're going to, they're going to struggle to get to like 50 yards at this point. And then second of all, Jalen Lucas, he looked awesome when he was on the field. Three attempts, 39 rush yards, including one for 34 yards, which is the majority. He looked really shifty in it. He looked good. And this was all in the first half. And then you go out to the second half, and he didn't even get on the field. He didn't touch the ball. So that just is like a coaching question, a play calling, decision making question that I'm really concerned with because if Indiana's just not going to, you have to adapt in those sort of situations. You can't just keep sending out Shivers to aimlessly run up the middle and get one yard or lose yards. You have to adapt in those scenarios to. Uh, see what kind of schemes and plays fits best. And at that point, it looked like Lucas would have been the best option. And I get that now, this week, Tom Allen has been praising Jalen Lucas and saying that he'll be out in the field more. But you, it's too late for that now. I mean, going forward, obviously, he has that potential to be such a big playmaker, but you need to do it in the game that matters when he looks good already. For sure, for sure. And that defensive point you, uh, you uh, talked about a little bit, that was a huge thing coming into this game for me. Um, just some closing thoughts on here, but I mean, these are the two worst defenses in the Big Ten. Uh, Nebraska uh, last, Indiana 13th right in front of them in terms of touchdowns given up, in terms of points given up, in terms of average yards per game given up, and you know, all that stuff. So um, it was definitely something that, you know, you, you kind of assumed it was going to be high scoring as it was. You didn't really assume as many, as much special teams would have to do with the game, but um, that was something I wanted to see, and it, it seemed like Nebraska, you know, their defense was able to prevail, um, again, with 
with uh, in mind, keeping in mind that Camper and Matthews were out, which is, I think is I think is a huge thing that uh, you know not something to blame the loss on, but something that is definitely hu- a huge reason why this Indiana passing attack fell flat. And of course, yeah, kind of going off of that, like as you're saying, the rushing attack. I'm looking at the carry numbers here. Like it was under 20 carries on the game, and Basilak had five and McCulley got one uh, you're going into halftime tied 21 21 with Nebraska there's no need to come out throwing the ball exclusively why, why are the rushing numbers as low as they are why did we not attempt or why did Indiana not attempt to run the ball more I mean that's just staggering to me Shivers didn't break 10 carries Henderson only had five carries and like you said Lucas only got three touches I mean I feel like when you're throwing the ball at a 50% completion rate without your two top receivers, you need to you need to start looking to the ground game more. And especially in a tied game, it's not like they were in a deficit where they couldn't run the ball. It, it seems like they don't even try to establish the run. Yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on from this game, too, is the second quarter. So the second half as an entirety was, like, really uneventful. It was kind of boring to watch, if I'm being honest. But... <laughs> The second quarter was just absolutely wild. So you go from IU punts, and then IU gets the defensive touchdown. The one play, Casey Thompson isn't on the field. Chubba Purdy Purdy gets sacked, 10-yard loss, whatever. And then you have all the stuff with Indiana gets their punt blocks. Like you talked about special teams is a big thing. So punt block, return for a touchdown. And then uh, then you have the whole... Bryant Fitzgerald interception thing. Then you have the interception that Connor Bazelak threw, which was like really weird. It looked like a he was down, but then he wasn't down. All that happens. It was just such a chaotic quarter. And for amidst all of that, Indiana to climb back and get the game to be 21-21, like at that point, you thought that things were trending in the right direction, at least for the rest of the game. Especially Indiana puts up 21 in one quarter. I mean, other than against Idaho, we really haven't seen a good quarter like that from Indiana. So it looked really promising, and then it just completely stalled out. No, yeah. I mean, I never I never took the time to look at the, you know, the, the downs by downs thing, but it's punt, interception, interception, punt, 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 touchdown, Nebraska touchdown, punt, touchdown. Put put turnover on downs end the game. So it was it was definitely you look at it now and you're like, wow, that second half really was boring. Yeah, I mean, I was just struck by this has just been a theme I feel like lately. The amount of times that Indiana is getting gashed for big plays over the middle of the field or down the sideline from their secondary. I mean. I remember in 2020, Indiana's secondary was such a great group, getting interceptions, forcing turnovers, locking down opposing receivers. And a lot of those guys are still on the back end of the Hoosier defense, and they're getting torn up through the early portion of the season. I mean, Trey Palmer for Nebraska in that game, he was pretty much having whatever he wanted. And he's a great player, but, I mean, giving up a 71-yard bomb over the middle for a big touchdown that made the score 28-21 there early in the fourth quarter. I mean, those are heartbreaking plays. And it seems like Indiana has had a few of those lately. I mean, 
a bunch of them in the Cincinnati game where um, I forget his name, but their top receiver was just he, every one of his touchdowns was over 20 yards. And then uh, in this game, Palmer with the big the big passing touchdown, like they've got to find a way to tighten up on the back end because if they don't, Ohio State's going to come in and hang 50 on them. And it's it, not to say that they should beat Ohio State or even play them super close this year, but out of everything on this team, I was expecting the secondary to be a strength, and so far it has not really risen up to that challenge. One thing that I think has to be frustrating for Indiana is in the third quarter, or sorry, oh, oh, sorry, Brian Fitzgerald interception was in the third quarter, but when that happens, tremendous play also. It's a touchback when you go back and look at it, and so because the spot of the his foot was on the one yard line, but the ball was past the end zone, so it would have been a touchback. And so instead of getting the ball at the twenty or twenty five, and he has to start at the one, and so that's kind of a pointless drive. You punt. Nebraska, luckily, they actually don't do much with it. Then they pump back, and then you're starting at your Indiana starting at the two again, and so like a lot of the time they wasted in the third quarter was just backed up at their own goal line when instead they could have had chances to kind of drive down the field and score so that really changed the outcome or dynamic of the game yeah and uh, another thing um i mean with that being said of course the just because of lackluster play from indiana's offense a t- if they were placed at the 20 yard line as compared to the, inside the five would that have really mattered i guess in an alternate universal to see but it was another thing was you know this indiana hoosiers team as a whole it just seemed less you know less put together as opposed to nebraska's team who just lost their head coach three years ago or three weeks ago rather um he was scott frost was fired mickey joseph comes in to replace him and it seems like his team was better put together better built in this particular night yeah i think a lot of that it comes down to just like scheming for the opposition and Nebraska, they have athletes. I mean, I think they've finished in the top 30 in recruiting every year under Scott Frost. So the talent seemed to have been there for them to be a competitive team, but Frost was never able to put it together. And then in this time of distractions and all this noise around the program for Indiana to go out there and drop the game, I mean, when I when I looked at the preseason schedule for Indiana this year, I think there was only a few games that I really felt were winnable for this team, and Nebraska was one of them even before the frost firing. Same here. And so for for them to go and get beat in this way, and not just beat, but beat in a manner where they lost in every phase of the game, offensively, defensively, and special teams, they were outplayed. It, it's telling. I mean... Tom Allen has done a great job at Indiana, uh, but to go in and possibly get outcoached by an interim guy is a little bit sad. You you bring up a good point there, and for me at least, that leaves me curious. Obviously, we kind of know where the state of the Indiana fan base is at right now because when you lose to Nebraska, who had lost to Georgia Southern, was 1-3, that won't really make them very happy, and in general, Indiana the Indiana fan base is pretty impatient. So we already know that, but I'm curious as to, like, what's good. I don't want to stir the pot, but I just want to know what's going on in the locker room because you see those Nebraska guys rallying around interim coach Mickey Joseph, and you, and it, it looked like 
they were happy for him. They wanted it more out on the field. Like, what's going on? How, like, how motivated is this Indiana team right now in this point in time? They're a winning team. They're they're above five hundred. They're three and two. But it just you look at that game and it looked like not only were they outplayed in every phase of the game, like you said, Garrett, but it just looked like at times they didn't want it as much as the other team. And you can't win football games that way, especially not in the Big Ten. Um, it was it's, it was definitely tough. I assume um, a lot of fans let out their frustrations on Twitter. I saw that a lot. A lot of said, people said the season was over. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, I said in one of my articles this past week that you know Indiana still has a bunch of damage to do in the Big Ten. They, I mean, they've seen the lower tier teams. They still have Michigan to play this weekend. We'll get to that here in a couple minutes. They still have Ohio State, Penn State. I don't think they've. I don't think Tom Allen has lost the locker room. I don't think the locker room has lost their confidence or anything like that but it was definitely a rough night and after a rough night like that you just kind of have to sit back and watch the film and then get back at it next week of course it doesn't help that next week is against the fourth best team in the country um but you know tom, tom allen's a motivator i think he does a good job i don't think he's gonna lose his locker room i think the fact that this team is already doing better than they did last year and the disappointment they had last year is a huge deal um and with that being said, they had two key guys out. There's a lot of things that that besides besides the way the fact that they lost on all three facets of the game. There's a lot of things they could blame on the loss, including the receive losing Camper and Matthews that I keep going back to. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't think Tom Allen is on the hot seat or anything like that. I think he's done an amazing job at Indiana for what Indiana is as a college football program. I'm pretty sure they have the lowest amount of or the lowest win percentage something they're one of the worst programs historically so for him to come in and have the years he had in 2019 and 2020 i don't think he's lost the locker room but i will say i remember vividly in 2020 watching the wisconsin game and how after the game when Allen was being interviewed the whole team every single player was coming up and interrupting the interview and and gassing up tom allen and all this and I feel like I'm not really seeing that kind of energy from the roster anymore, and I'm not sure why. Um, there's been a lot of turnover. You know, Penix went to Washington. A lot of key team leaders are gone, McFadden to the draft. And there's still some guys there that have been here for a while, but I'm wondering if maybe he doesn't have that same effect on the newer members of this team that he used to have on the guys that were there when they went 5-1 and one in the Big Ten and had those successful years. Yeah, I agree, and... Obviously, we weren't able to preview last week. So one thing that especially like plays into this whole thing, too, is you have uh, Rick Kaczynski. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Former Nebraska coach. And prior to Indiana coming to play Nebraska, you've got this former Nebraska coach calling Tom Allen a cheerleader and all that kind of stuff. And you go out there and you lose that football game. It's just like, come on, man. You gotta, you gotta come out and fight for your coach. You can't let someone on, someone who was literally fired and is a bad person because he was like arrested for something bad. You can't let him call your coach a cheerleader and then you go out and lose the game to an interim coach. I mean, you just gotta go out there and battle for him. But they didn't. <laughs> so now, Indiana hosts number four, Michigan Wolverines, on Indiana's homecoming. Uh oh. Should be fun, man. Should should be a lot of fun. Um, 
Indiana. I mean, Michigan's the fourth best team in the nation. You've, I mean, you, they've they've been on Fox the past uh, four weeks now, so I think uh, the general public has a certain idea of how good this football team is. Uh, they were ran, they ran into a little bit of trouble with Maryland uh, two weeks ago. They they took care of Iowa clean last week. Their their non conference schedule they beat them by like 150 to just 10 points combined. Um, they have a really good running back, Blake Corum, who might arguably, arguably be the best quarterback in the nation. They have a J.J. McCarthy, five-star, former five-star recruit, who's doing a phenomenal job. They have great receivers. Um, they have a great defense. Um, Indiana is going to face their best, their best opponent of the year this weekend so far. Uh, of course, they still have to play Ohio State, and we'll see who's better between Ohio State and Michigan. But it is homecoming is definitely gonna. It's gonna be huge. I don't know if it's going to go in Indiana's way, though. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I will say my story this week was about Indiana's last five-ish homecoming games. And the Hoosiers do seem to get up for the homecoming game, whether it's 10th-ranked Michigan State last year when Indiana was in the midst of a terrible season and they only lost by five. Uh, And that team had Kenneth Walker. They still have Peyton Thorne. So... These are, these are good teams that Indiana's played on homecoming. Um, and I think Michigan, they showed some weaknesses because I'm looking at their stats from the, uh, the game against Maryland where they won 34-27. And McCarthy had a pretty much flawless game. He went for 220 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And Corum had one of the best performances of his career with 243 yards and two touchdowns. And they barely snuck out of that game with a win. Um, and that's with Maryland's quarterback, Talia Tungavailoa, throwing for only 207 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. So if that's what Maryland did, and they had not much of a running attack in that game, I kind of wonder if Indiana could pull off the upset this week because I think Michigan plays Penn State the week after, and they might be like, oh, Penn State's on the horizon. They're doing well this year. And then Indiana is just kind of like sneakily right there. It's a trap game. And while I think Michigan will win the game, there's an opportunity for Indiana to really get a huge momentum win against a very quality team this week. Yeah. it. This will be a, a interesting game to watch. I mean, you kind of – you kind of think that it has the potential to be the trap game. You talk about that Penn State on the horizon. They're number 10 in the country right now, I think, which is kind of ridiculous, but whatever. But one major thing that worries me, too, is like Jacob said, you've got Blake Corum, who definitely has the case to be the best running back in the Big Ten, if not one of the best running backs in the country. If you want to argue the Big Ten that he's 1A, 1B with probably Illinois' Chase Brown, and then you look back to week one, and Chase Brown ran for 199 yards on Indiana. And at the same time, you have Blake Corum, who can do the exact same thing, and you have J.J. McCarthy, who is a much better quarterback than Tommy DeVito is for Illinois, and just an all-around better and more talented offense and team in, in Michigan. So it's go- it's going to take like a perfect game, I think, or a near-perfect game for Indiana to try to pull something off. I think that Indiana's best bet is you have to make J.J. McCarthy beat you because there's more potential to try to force havoc like the 2020 team and try to like start picking passes off and forcing turnovers because I don't think that like Blake Corm's going to fumble the football. 
I mean, I think that's a great point. But J.J. McCarthy is such a good quarterback, and he does not make mistakes. He leads the country in completion percentage. Um, when Indiana took on Austin Reed, when Indiana took on Ben Bryant, those guys killed Indiana secondary. First half, Ben Bryant did all game. Austin Reed did. They killed Indiana secondary. Now Indiana is going to play an even better quarterback than both of them. And my, I'm assuming that J.J. McCarthy is probably going to ball out. It's probably going to – I would – I would guess that after this week, people start talking J.J. McCarthy Heisman because he's kind of been that guy who hasn't reached his uh, reached his hype, and they're they're smiling at me right now. But he's just that good. He does he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't throw picks. And on the, at the same time, he has Blake Corum, a running back. Indiana gave up 150 yards to Chase Brown week one. They gave up 130 yards to Anthony Grant last week. They do not have a good like do not have a good rushing defense. They don't have a good passing defense. It, it's it's harsh, but this Michigan team's very good. They're gonna roll over. And again, it's it's a trap. It's it could very well be a trap game, and it's kind of sizing out to be like that, just because in part, Garrett has an article dropping about last homecoming games how India wakes up. The past three times Indiana's played Michigan in Bloomington, they won in 2020. They pushed it to an overtime game against a top five Michigan team in 2018, and then in 2016 it was a two time over it was a two overtime game that went to like 47 to 46 or something like that it was absolutely absurd i remember watching that game actually so again with that means it could be a trap game but at the same time i think it's more likely that michigan just absolutely steamrolls indiana and after that game we're talking like there's gonna be there are people on twitter being like yeah like indiana's program's done and which is it's not michigan's a good team Indiana's Indiana's in the Big Ten. They got to play these big boys, but the the defense for Indiana is so it's bend but not break, and they rely on those turnovers to help them late in the game to help them pull it out. This Michigan team, Jim Harbaugh, they're they're just not going to do that this year. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think Michigan will win the game. I don't know. I think it really depends on how the game starts because. If Indiana allows Michigan to get out to another 14-0 lead or a 21-7 lead or anything of that nature where they're up like two scores and they can just run the ball, which is what Michigan likes to do, they've not only Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards has been really good for them as kind of a power option. I think he's a converted receiver, so he's he's got good hands too. Um, we know Harbaugh loves to run the ball. I mean, he's got a very talented quarterback in J.J. McCarthy. I 100% agree. But I just feel like the way, the Michigan way that they want to play football is running the ball with a great trench offensive line, defensive line combination. And I think especially given Indiana's offensive line struggles this year, Michigan's going to win that battle. And I think ultimately they'll win the game. I do think Indiana has a chance to keep it close, but I would not be shocked if this is 42-10 Michigan, something like that. Yeah, uh, Jacob, you were talking about like the how Indiana fan base is, which is true, especially on Twitter. Twitter's the most toxic app to ever exist on this planet, but I still love it. <laughs> but that's just kind of how it always goes, especially the extremists. This this might be a hot take. This is my personal opinion. I think Indiana. I'm not saying this will happen, but they could quite literally lose seventy to nothing, and I do not think this will have any impact on the program. 
that's just Mich- I mean, that's just more telling about Michigan in their quest for to return to the college football playoff, which is going to be an interesting thing, interesting thing to watch between them and Ohio State this year. And so I, I don't know. This game, right? Everyone wants to say it's a trap game, but I think if that were to even like be the case, you would have to have some sort of miracle where, similar to last season's homecoming game. Uh, how Indiana stopped Kenneth Walker for Michigan State, who is one of the best, who was the best running back in the country last year. We would have to do that, to, or Indiana would have to do that to Blake Corum, and then along with that, like Michigan State had Peyton Thorne as their quarterback, who is not even close to JJ McCarthy, for being honest. So you would have to somehow stop both phases of the ball. You'd have to have, you'll probably have to do it by air, judging on how we've seen Indiana's run game this year, and. You, uh, Indiana would probably need Connor Bazelak to throw for maybe 350 plus yards. He couldn't, he wouldn't be able to turn the ball over. And so you just kind of need that perfect blend. And how realistic is that? ESPN has it at like 8%. I might even say lower. So there's, there's a lot that needs to happen. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, just a couple of stats to point out here. Indiana's second worst defense. As we talked about earlier, 420 in terms of yards given up per game, 420. Michigan's the third best defense in the Big Ten, 250, just 50, 252 yards a game given up. In terms of offense, Michigan's fourth best with 256 total yards a game, and Indiana is over at 11th with 384. Um, in terms of getting to the quarterback, which is something that I think is going to be a huge key here, and Michigan always has great interior linemen out here. Um, uh, interior linemen, of course, they get to the quarterback very well. Bazelak, in the previous weeks, we've seen he's been kind of getting out of those, being able to throw to the sidelines. Um, does that? Ha- I think a big key for Indiana is, does that happen this week? Is Bazelak going to have enough time to get out? Because Michigan does have some good pass rushers. They're second in the Big Ten with 15 sacks. You know who's third? Indiana with 14. So, Hey, Desama Cole, by the way, pretty sure he's leading the country for freshmen in sacks right now. I- Stat check, but I think he's at four sacks this season and he's best in the country for freshman. Yeah. Shout out to Son. I think adding on to what Jacob's saying, pass rushes for both teams are pretty effective. Although I haven't watched a lot of Michigan this year, but I think they're probably getting their pass rush from not as many blitzes, whereas Indiana is more reliant on heavy blitz schemes, which it's kind of a it's kind of a dangerous game to play against a team like Michigan when you're going to be blitzing consistently and they have a talented quarterback like JJ McCarthy and they have weapons on the edge like Ronnie Bell and uh, I can't remember his first name, but Wilson, number 14, he's pretty good as well. So I think, I think JJ's going to know that the strength of the Indiana defense is their pressure and the scheme that Michigan brings will probably be getting the ball out quickly to those playmakers like we've discussed. And I think that poses a lot of problems for the tackling that Indiana has had this season, which we've touched on quite a bit. They miss a lot of tackles in the open field. So I think it's going to be rough for Indiana. But kind of as a counterpoint, looking at Michigan's schedule, I think their stats might be just a little bit inflated. I mean, they've played a very weak schedule to this point. I mean, Iowa is one they've put out one of their worst teams they've had in probably the last eight years maryland is on the come up i'd say so that's a decent win but it was really tight and then yukon hawaii and colorado state are very marginal division one teams 
Not that Indiana's strength of schedule is that much better, but I think Indiana playing a team like Cincinnati, who I believe is now ranked, um, they have a very quality program, and I don't think Michigan's really had to face anyone like that yet. Not that Indiana is that quality program, but it is a Big Ten opponent that has a historically opportunistic defense the last few years. J.J. McCarthy may not throw interceptions, but if someone like Dason McCullough can get around the edge and strip and get a fumble early in this game, it could really shift the momentum for IU. Yeah, I can also see Cam Jones having another big game because every game Cam Jones has is a big game so far. I think he's top five in the country in tackles right now, total tackles, so also shout out Cam Jones. Um, Yeah, we can start to really go into like in-depth more about the game, especially... I think Indiana, if they're going to have a chance as well, they need Cam Camper and DJ Matthews both to play. Uh, Also, do either of you know the status of that right now? I'm just curious. Um, I saw Tom Allen said that they're hoping both will be back for the game. I think Camper is more likely than Matthews because I was reading Matthews warmed up in Lincoln but couldn't go. So he might have something lingering going on. I don't know exactly what his injury is, but I think it's leg-related, which he tore his ACL last season, so they're probably being very cautious with him. But Camper, Allen said it's a non-COVID-related illness, so I think he'll be back out on the field. Cool. Yeah. So I don't want to be a negative Nelly, but with the game we're looking at, first question I have. J.J. McCarthy's season high in passing yards is 229. Does he break it? He's, yeah, he's probably going to get 400. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he could break that in the first half. Ben Bryant getting 330 in the first half against Indiana? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and uh, we'll, never mind. We'll get to that when we do the game predictions, but. Okay. Does... Indiana score a touchdown in the first quarter. First quarter. I'm going to go with no. They do not score a touchdown in the first quarter. I'm I'm going to say yes. I think last week was kind of the polar opposite of Indiana's season with not really scoring much in the second half and getting some points in the first half for once. So I think they score a touchdown late in the first quarter, maybe keep it a little tight, and then Michigan expands on their lead. Will Indiana rush for over 100 yards? Indiana as a whole? They had 95 with the net total against against Nebraska. Nebraska. That includes sacks. Uh, Shivers has been on and off. So uh, last week he was off, so I'm going to assume he was on. A uh, hundred is pretty low considering they're spreading out between three backs and then Bayslack as well. Uh, I'm gonna go with yes. I'm also gonna say yes, especially if Lucas gets some more touches. All right. Does Connor Bayslack throw the ball more than 45 times? Yes. I mean, he might break another record. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he definitely throws the ball more than 45 times. He has only not done so. He threw 44 against Nebraska. I'm going to count that at 45. He threw 29 against Idaho. Will Indiana rain game. game. Will Indiana force a turnover on defense? Ah, uh, it's a careful Michigan team. 
Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's a careful Michigan team, but it's an Indiana team that just somehow finds its way to get turnovers. Uh, you said in the whole game or just the first half? Whole game. Whole game? Uh, oh, I'm going to say no. I think it's going to be a clean game. I'm going to say yes. I think Indiana gets a strip sack at some point. Does Desan McCullough get a sack? One and a half over under. Yeah, Harbaugh's never seen McCullough. Uh, he's a he's a really good linebacker. He he will be the best player on this Indiana team by as early as next year. Um, yeah, he's gonna get a sack. I'm gonna go under on the 1.5 sacks, but I'll say he gets one sack. Halftime score predictions. We haven't done this before. I'm just curious. I'm gonna give my halftime score prediction. 28 to seven, Michigan. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go 31 to 0. I'm going to say 17 to 7, Michigan. Wow. Optimistic, Garrett. I just, I don't believe in Michigan's offense that optimistic. much. I think Maryland, <laughs> if IU can do anything like Maryland, I think it could be closer than people think. So do you think they will cover the 22-and-a-half-point spread? It's 23. Um, that I'm not so sure about because I think Indiana might keep it close in the first half, but I think Michigan will probably end up winning in a blowout. So I'm going to say no, they don't cover. I'm going to say no, they don't cover either. I really want to really say they do, but just because of what happened the past two weeks – just so if the fashion of which they played in the first half and the, the way they played against Nebraska, I just I don't I don't see it very. I don't, it's not possible. I say no as well. Who will be the best player for Indiana's game for Indiana in this game? All things considered, you can name a couple if you'd like. Um, I'm gonna go <laughs> Charles Campbell, the kicker. <laughs> uh, that's a sarcastic answer, but that is also. I, I would assume they're going to need to kick a lot of field goals. Um, the punter as well. I'm blanking on the punter. James yeah. Evans. James Evans, yes. He's going to be the player of the game. But uh, on the offensive side, I'd say Cam Camper if he's back. Um, again, a guy that Harbaugh's never seen before. Um, I think he's going to be he's going to be electric. A, a guy that I think probably one of the best receivers Michigan will face all year. So that'll be a cool test for the secondary. On the defensive side, I'm going to go with Cam Jones. Or Desan McCullough. Yeah, I'm gonna go if he's there, Cam Camper. I think he's just Indiana's most consistent player overall. He always seems to get six to ten catches for almost hundred yards. Um as for defensively, I think Cam Jones, I mean, he's really the only answer on defense for sure. But other than him, I'm looking to see Casey make some more plays this week. Yeah, I was going to have some fun with it. I'd say Casey on defense. I just think, I don't know, he has a big game, gets around the edge. Offensively, I'll say Jalen Lucas. I was just thinking about that after I said it. I was like, maybe, maybe he goes off this week. I'm not sure, but I think that's a good pick. I think I think he's got like the shiftiness, the speed, and just like the overall talent to like kind of – I'm not going to say he's better athletes than the Michigan athletes because – those are all like five-star freak athletes, guys. But 
he's one who can like work his way around it i think if he gets the opportunity and it sounds like from what we've heard this week he will get the opportunity so i hope to see it final score predictions i will go first i will say michigan 52 indiana 24 there's a lot of points. Um, just going out with the keys to the game, I think uh, Indiana is going to have to accept prior to kickoff that they're not going to be able to stop the Michigan offense. I think they have to instead just duel it out like they did against Western Kentucky and just try to get points on the board instead of focusing to stop the Michigan defense. Of course, that's the goal, but it's going to be it's going to be a offensive battle. I'm feeling because Indiana is it's, they just physically cannot keep up. They've showed it the past weeks that they just can't they can't contain the offense um especially offenses that make many mistakes um with that being said austin reed came in to the indiana game with not many mistakes under his belt if any and they caused him to throw uh interception i mean they he did make a few mistakes against indiana's defense um indiana's gonna need to come in here and play i think their offense has got to be a main focus i think they have to have camp camper and matthews on there and i think they have the secondary is is huge Mullen, Fitzgerald, Williams, they all have to make huge, huge plays and contain the Michigan offense. With that, all that being said, I do think it's a trap game. I don't think it's going to matter. I think Michigan's going to steamroll Indiana 48-10. to 10. Yeah, I'm sharing that opinion about the trap game. I also don't think it's going to matter. I think Michigan last year broke through. They really understand what it takes to win against the teams they're supposed to beat in the Big Ten now. Um I think the score, I know I said 17-7 at halftime, but at the end of the game, I think it's going to be Michigan 42, Indiana 17. I think Michigan has their way in the second half, and Indiana struggles. Yeah, before we close things out, I just want to say, I think Indiana's best chance, honestly, might just try to try to slow the game down. I don't know if they're able to do that. If... If Indiana can get a consistent run game, which is questionable, we haven't really seen it consistently in a game this year, but if they can and they can get some long drives to go throughout the game, then who knows? I mean, Iowa was down, I think they were down 20 nothing to Michigan last week, but they kind of slowed it down, and it was only 27-14, which isn't so bad. So we'll see. Happy homecoming, everyone. Yeah, That's all from us. Till next time.